You're listening to Library Talk <laughs> with Ben and Paul. Ben, what's on your shelf? My bookshelf. Yeah. Oh, what isn't on my bookshelf? <laughs> the classics, the contemporaries, the moderns, the postmoderns, the pre-moderns, the, the, the antiquities. Okay, I, was I like say, it all. Are the antiquities there? The antiquities are there. So <clears throat> you know, I have all of. Uh, Einstein's, <laughs> Einstein. I mean Augustine's. I uh, thought you were going to uh, say somebody else. Unabridged Einstein works next, right next to Ayn Rand, of course. Oh yeah. As a matter of fact, you once bought me a very neat copy of an Augustine book. That's true. And I'll tell oh, you what. Embarrassing. That falls in the category of great looking book. Has a place on a shelf in that it's a classic. There's it shows you know some sort of awareness of history, but when you go through the process of shelf maturation and being in your 30s, you need to, to ask at some point, do I want it? Do I need it? Should 100%. it be here? And I'll, I'll be honest, that one's gone. I got rid That's of it. That's fair. That's and it doesn't, it's okay that you got it for me. It just, I just don't need it's I okay. it. It's okay. I, I, you know, when I, I think probably when I bought that for you, I was probably more trying to impress you than actually thinking that you would read it. And, and you it know, didn't you even can, work. You can have a book. <laughs> you can have a book for four or five years, and maybe you read it, maybe you don't. But just because you bought it doesn't mean you have to keep it. You know, you I know really this don't. is going to be a hot take. A lot of people <clears throat> keep books forever. There's, it's, it's a little bit like my God. There are some people who say, and this is, I respect this. Say once they start a book, they'll never put it down. They won't put it down until they finish, or they, they must finish, mm-hmm. which. I, I have an almost the opposite philosophy. I personally think life's too short, <laughs> but I also respect it. And then there's some, but I think like I must finish this book or I must keep this book and have it on my shelf are, are kind of extensions of the same philosophy of reading in books, which is almost out of obligation. Yeah. It's has something to do with the magical power that we impute to books. My, father-in-law has a separate library room that uh-huh. they had in their Louisiana house and they had space for it there because you know more rural more rooms and so it's it's all four walls wow floor to ceiling see I would love to have a book wall like I mean, several book walls at some point in absolutely my life, with but a ladder go on oh my god um <laughs> and it I mean getting when, all hot and bothered over here <laughs> when I first saw it I was like this is the coolest thing ever and him being a minister, it's all 100% theology books, <laughs> literally. Upon closer inspection. <laughs> <laughs> but, and I, I spent a lot of time in there going, like searching through it, looking for interesting stuff to read. The truth of the matter is there's nothing there Not you want to read. Right. Even if you're a devout, reformed, thinking, sure. thinking man, as I was at the time. There's still, it's still all old. It's still all... <laughs> relevant yeah. or irrelevant but they moved to savannah downsized their house but all the books came with wow. in a separate trailer oh boy and and they think that they really look, took a hard look at their things <laughs> and downsized and having been there a couple of weeks ago i can tell you you know it's hard to declutter not not many people are not as good at it as i am <clears throat> so let me let me bring us back on track you don't have to keep 
every book that you buy that someone has bought for you that what what, what was i just about to say or that is a classic mm-hmm. right what's on your bookshelf my bookshelf i can see it over this, your shoulder at this moment um i think it's a f- pretty accurate reflection of the type of thing that i read now um and the important or influence influential books in my life that I read even longer ago. There's this, I, I think there's some, something of a, th- a thread that brings us up to the current moment that doesn't get too bogged down in stuff that, um, you know, I read or, and didn't like, or, or, um, you know, just read for a time and a place. I got rid of a ton of books actually upon moving to this new place and actually I was telling a friend this story the other day um, I took my big box of books probably about 50 books now those are heavy boxes these are, are going to be the heaviest boxes in your move for sure so you have to ask yourself is it worth the pain <laughs> is it worth the struggle just to look cool with that many books on your shelf and you say oh my god I got to unpack all my boxes <laughs> of books I had to ship them all the way across the country oh, they're here oh whew. thank god um, did anyone steal my books? Did the movers <laughs> covet my books? <laughs> now there's a screenplay, <laughs> kind of a goodwill hunting sort of thing. Yeah. A, a postal worker who waits for big, heavy boxes of media mail, probably books, secretly opens them himself and takes out the books that he wants to read because mm. he can't afford other books. One major plot yeah. hole. Uh, that's a pass for me. <laughs> Why can't he get a library card? Well, these are first ed- special first edition oh, books. So he's a book collector. <clears throat> his book yeah, is, uh, yeah. Needs a little workshopping. Um, so what was I about to say? I was we were talking well, about my. While move. you're thinking, so I brought my book, my my books to. Um, here's Mike here. Um, I brought my books over to. Uh, <laughs> over to. Um, I mean. He, he might be on the podcast at some point. He's a really smart guy. Um, that's my neighbor who just walked by. But uh, so brought it to this used bookstore in uh, downtown uh, Denver, Capitol Hill, called Kilgore Books. Check it out if you're ever in town. Definitely like a kind of a crusty old punk who runs it. Really cool guy. Um, and I've never, selling books probably made more than $20. You know, and this, this is at, at times with... 30, 40, 50 books, you know, that, that are valuable, good books in good condition. And usually you get, you just, they throw the money at you, like, get the hell out of here. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll put it, we'll take them to Goodwill for you or something like that. This guy gave me 75 bucks. That's wow. more than a dollar per book. Wow. And to me, I, I thought this is a guy who respects books. This is a bookseller who, who really puts a premium upon his books. You're not going to get that on Amazon. Uh-uh. Amazon booksellers. Not with the big guys. Um, anyway, I appreciated that. A, a, a true uh, That is pretty sweet. Mm-hmm. Selling things is is great. Oh, it feels that good. That could be a separate podcast. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I'm just going to read off some titles that I see up there. True Grit. That's a bang. Pop. That's, That's a, a popper That is for a me. banger. That Hell thing yeah. should be front and center at all times. That might be in my top five books ever, period. Great, great, great book. Followed uh-huh. very closely by, I don't know if you dug it as much as I did, Dog of the South. I uh, haven't finished it a yet. Very nifty modern cover. Haven't finished it yet. 
Those yeah. are great books. Those are books worth keeping around. For sure. Because you might want to pick those up. See, that's a book you could you know has staying power. It's, yes. a, it's a voice that is, you know, not subject to time, to, to, the, to the whims of literary fancy, if and you will. It, but it's also not just an obligatory classic um, that people had to read and therefore have No, around. it's actually not at all. And a lot of people look right. at it and think, True Grit? Right. Isn't that that dumb movie Isn't with that John a Wayne? Film? Yeah, there, wasn't there another film? Yeah, with uh, all the Coen <coughs> brothers. Also a good movie. Yep. Um, okay, what else am I seeing? There's one that seen, seen something called uh, doing a rough translation here. My struggle. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I knew you were going there. I knew your eyes landed on that. Now one. that brings me to every bookshelf needs a good banned books section. <laughs> if you're a real right, if you're if you're a badass you're like us, kind of, you know. Show that you you don't, you don't cow to to the woke mob. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, actually, that my neighbor who just walked by here was in here recently, and he was looking at my shelf, and he was like, "What the hell is that?" Because he's a history guy. He's like, "My struggle is that what I think it is?" I'm like, "No, don't panic." <laughs> in fact, I still don't really know why he named it that. It's it's like yeah. all part of his big long irony game that he's playing right carl of Kanaskard, um that is the my struggle series and but that last one there book six or seven i always forget it's the one one uh part of the whole thing which is essentially just his life story right in every you know mundane detail of his life and his his past Mm-hmm. It's a 250-page aside that is essentially a biography of Hitler. Um, so, it, like, that is the most direct kind of engagement with the title. But, no, the My Struggle books are uh, they're a hoot. They're a lot of fun. Would I like them? Um, probably not. No, you'd probably hate it, actually. <laughs> okay. Uh, it's, worth tr- it's worth checking out just to see what it is. Um, but you'll get bored pretty quickly. Next, um, I'm seeing "The Hill We Climb" by Amanda Gorman. <laughs> hey, <laughs> don't don't lead me into this trap. <laughs> now now you have to say that something be, that's gonna get me canceled. That would, that would be fine. Um, um, <clears throat> what else? He's trying to to jump in and, and direct my got, attention. But, uh, oh, Infinite Jest. Yep. Bing Bing. Yep. Got to have that on there. Um, Tobias to, Wolf. To repel members of the opposite sex <laughs> um got a whole tobias wolf section um, we got a whole berger section oh yeah for sure he wrote a lot of stuff wrote a lot of stuff um okay well that's probably enough i mean i can s- let it go i do see i do see a type of book that i've had many many a few of which theory? is like yeah yeah Adorno aesthetic theory feels Looks good on the shelf feels great but Let's be honest. <clears throat> I mean, that yeah, stuff. I, what what do you call that? It's kind of school. Uh, uh, oh, jeez, I'm gonna get uh, get trash for this. I totally know it. <laughs> the, oh no! I won't make you guess. I, no, I, I know either. what it is. Frankfurt School. Yeah. Okay. Frankfurt School. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. Truth be told, it's. To, for me, it mostly unreadable. Like, yeah, some of it you is. Really Unle- you got to have a curated list, I think. Yeah, and, and those maybe, types maybe of books are better. Are were not like it, it's a copy from a used bookstore that's just like all of his stuff crammed in mm. to a copy, like with right, 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 right. 
just quarter inch margins. You know, there was not really a, a very thought out process gone into like, what do we need to put in here that are like the key essays or the key, key things he wrote. Yeah. That's my shelf. Um, that's my shelf. Anyway, I'll love her. <laughs> sure, sure do. Okay. Sh- shelf, shelf theory, shelf strategy. I would say, I myself, my bookshelf is much smaller. I read a lot less than you. Um, That's not true. I, I think so. I think you read I th- quite a bit more than me. I mean, I, I read a lot more things in passing, I think, is like part of it, is that I do start and stop a lot of books. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I think you, you read a lot. A lot of those, those dang sci-fi things that I can't make heads or tails of. Yeah, I do love my sci-fi the stories. Who's he, what's he's in the, whatchamacallits, oh, what, hap- what happens on planet Xenon if, if um, all this, the, the gooseberry goop runs out? If you're done, <laughs> I can tell you the answer to that question. Okay, what happens? <laughs> uh, so actually, but I would say what I'm working towards with my bookshelf you go through this phase, like I said, of shelf maturation, where you realize I don't need this anymore. Episode I've title. This. I'm never coming back to it. Mm-hmm. There's a whole class of I, I've gotten rid of important Christian books, many a few. When I was re- a real <coughs> unbearable nerd, I had this like multi-volume. I don't know what where this. It was like there was maybe it was one of these like. Um, what do you call it? These just like rush print jobs yeah. that the, like these companies will pop up on Amazon and like sell, I guess it's mostly public domain things. Right. Like they'll just print them super cheap, super fast. Yeah. So I somehow got this like multi-volume set of an old theologian who I won't even say cause it's so embarrassing. I want to know, please say it. Spurgeon of like <laughs> sermons. Ret- that is the that is the deepest corner of my personality in the past, but that was a lot of books that, that was, that took up a lot of space on the shelf. I had <laughs> a copy of Calvin's institutes that Abby's dad gave to me, uh-huh. um, that did I actually you, read quite a bit of. Yeah. I mean, I really did. Um, and Thomas talk Aquinas, about self, self, uh, punishment. Absolutely. Thomas Aquinas. I even had a bunch of old shit on Kindle, like old Puritan crap, truly, truly unreadable. <laughs> the Puritans were, because they were such miserable assholes, like that was their writing philosophy. It's like, it's painful to read. It's painful to write. It yeah. should, it should hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, I've, I've, I've gotten rid of all of that and that's good. I've also gotten rid of, there's like some of the more pop, pop Christian books of past we're, we're burying our souls here um oh w- which ones we talking well here? in our early youth there was there were popular books in that time velvet elvis blue like jazz ragamuffin right? gospel right which we could say hey that was important to me at a certain time but it's not anymore right it's okay and that's to okay to let a part of yourself be a part of your past self Throwing it away doesn't mean you're throwing away that chapter of your life. Exactly. Exactly. You're it just means, making it means space. You're moving on and making physical space. I did keep my copy of Velvet Elvis because That's cool. Rob Bell signed it. Well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that guy's a celebrity. And now. he's had it he's had a redemptive arc anyways. Yeah, he has. So um 
okay, all that to say, but I also went through a time when it was like, hey, here's a classic book. Might be nice to, to read sometime. It's a dollar. I'm going to get it. Put it on my shelf. What's the harm? Then people know I'm smart. Well, you don't need that either. No. Because you you pick it up. You're like, eh. I don't I don't. This I, is not. I'm not going to do anything I'm not going to get any enjoyment out of right. this. Right. Yeah. I've, I've made that mistake m- many a time. Um, not a mistake necessarily, but just like, uh, what am I going to do? What am I going to do with this now? And then I have a similar problem with your um, My Struggle book because I do have a, a cool copy of um, Mouse, mm. which f- prominently features swastikas on the side. Yeah, <laughs> true. Yeah. People, it's a distinct enough thing that people know what that is, though. Um, yeah. <clears throat> but And if they read a little bit closer, maybe they would know. That, that has shown up on the banned books list. And, you know, for a while... The whole like culture war banned books thing, hullabaloo, seemed a little overblown to me. But if you have seen any of these, um, like recently banned books, like in Florida or Dr. In Texas, Seuss. <laughs> well, he, he, for good reason. Oh, what what um what have what is that? What is on that list? It's like everything. It's like every book we ever read in high school. It's like Grapes of Wrath is banned. Like for being commie propaganda, it's like right. okay, people actually. It's, it seems like now there is a concerted effort of like some people who are going through these and actually reading them, and not just saying like, "Oh, this has woke language in it," or like, "This is a you know New York Times like recent like critical race theory book." They're right. like people who are going through and saying like, "This is a historically like radical book," mm-hmm. and. We have to. We can't let kids read this anymore. I mean, I don't know how it, it rampant or widespread it is. It's it's because you can't really ever know or tell. But it, it does. It does give me a pause. I'll say. Um, yeah. You know. But that's not my battle to fight anymore. Maybe if you had uh, kept one other classic around, you might know about that Fahrenheit nine eleven. <laughs> four fifty one. Four fifty one. Um, I should have kept that one. And man, that's uh. When they come, when they come for the books, that's how you know. That's how you know, right? That's why you need the old. That's why guy you need to throw your books in the trash first, so they can't get to them. <laughs> you, you need the old guy with the knowledge. The old guy who's memorized the whole Bible. <laughs> Sorry, I just ruined the end of Book of Eli. Or what was it? The Denzel <laughs> movie. I completely <clears throat> forgot about it. That's what it is. He memorized it. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. Dang it! Spoiled Book of Eli for our audience. Yeah, sorry. Um, but um, what I'm, the current state that I'm happy with is, well, I read most sci-fi and um, fantasy by through the library, mostly by finding that library. right the library by looking for the right look of book. Mm. First, I look for a little spaceship that says this is sci-fi <laughs> fantasy sticker <laughs> in the juvenile. Fiction section. <laughs> no, this is adult fiction. Um, it's like me being at at the library, the Naperville Library, looking through the video, going straight to the video section, just looking for anything Muppets. <laughs> <laughs> just like, where's Kermit? Where's Kermit? And I'm just grabbing everything I could with Kermit on it. Yep. Um, There's a lot of like, um, you know, canon but not like uh, mainline Muppet stuff that mm-hmm. was out there like from over the years. Yeah, you know, it'd be like little Muppets babies spinoffs or um, random Christmas specials, that sort of thing. Right. In case you're wondering, 
Yep, I was. Mm -hmm. But I'll find the ones where it looks like the author has written the right amount of books, uh -huh. not too many, not yeah, too few. Yeah, see, that's interesting. Yeah, mm -hmm. especially with sci-fi fantasy, like right. you get, you know, the mega, mega series, um, and just like '80s pulp, a lot of times can or what looks that way, can be a hit. Like, mm -hmm. can work out pretty well. Um, but since I do it from the library, I don't really own too many of those. It's yeah. kind of hard to remember like what, what good ones I read. I know, right. Um, See, that's you, do you still have a Kindle? Uh, yeah, but I, it's like the very Libby's, like ten, Libby's ten the old. way to go with Kindle. Yes. I mean, then you can actually track I'm gonna do what you read. But, yeah. um, but if there's really – if there's a book I can't get at the library or I really loved – then I'll buy that. So I would like to have a nice sci-fi section of like something that I could say to, I could see myself saying to someone, you should read this, take this. Mm -hmm. Okay. Oh, see, I've done that far too many times. Right. You have the opposite problem. Yeah. No one's coming to me for books. And then I've got my art shelf, which yeah, that, those are worth keeping. Your big fancy, fancy $40 and up. That's that's art, good stuff. That's art, art that's the type of thing books. that you know a, a a tottering toddler could toddle by, <laughs> <laughs> and you know what's oh here I come. What's Grandpa Ben? What's on Grandpa Ben's shelf here? Ooh, look at this mat, ma magical mis magisterial um, mm -hmm. book of of paintings by one uh, Vincent Van Gogh or. Um, or do we even know any other artists? Oh gosh, what's his name? What's his name? I uh, will think of it later. Norman Rockwell. There you go. Um, actually, my mother-in-law has a, a gigantic Norman Rockwell book oh, like yeah. this big that right. I've been wanting to get my hands on. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And you can. That is still a superior way to view art. Very totally. Intimate, high quality. That's that's what I mean. And also yeah. putting everything in one place. Van Gogh has. 500 paintings mm -hmm. and it's actually very hard to get a grasp of any of them by googling right um so that's my philosophy and i'm sticking to it i think that's pretty my good philosophy <laughs> religion <laughs> um <clears throat> well any any more on that uh no let's let's switch it up let's get off the nerd shit for a minute um I've been playing basketball all summer long. In fact, it's been, you know, in in a, you know, relatively quiet period post, um, you know, post Europe. I've been trying to get my copywriting thing off the ground, which is going fine. Been playing basketball, trying to stick with that consistent thing. Like, I'm doing a, I, I'm, I, I want to get better at basketball as something that I know I've always been. I've always enjoyed, but I always suck at hmm. like, I just, there's like a, there's a ceiling. There's a very heavy ceiling on my skills as a basketball player. And I've just been slowly lifting it up a little bit higher each, each time I play. And I think I've finally crossed a threshold of not being a liability on the court. Oh, I've never really been a liability per se, but of, uh, I've, I think I've earned the respect of my peers. Wow. At, at the uh, Carla Madison Recreation Center. Um, and uh, it feels good. I got to tell you, if you're looking for a way to, um, 
you know, just a little, just a little confidence kind of boost. Put in a good forty-five minutes a day in the gym, uh, and then play basketball uh, against a bunch of high schoolers a for couple how, times for a how week. many years? Um, f- three or four years, <laughs> okay, max. Um, that's all it should take. No, it's it's grown men who I play with mostly, but I do shoot over at the other gym, the smaller gym in my neighborhood, where high school kids hang out and shoot around. So sometimes I'll get in a game with them. You'll mix it up with them. Play play one on one with 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 a lad every now and then. Wow. Um, and uh, yeah. And do they cuss at you and all that? No, I don't let that fly. Wow. They know who's boss. They're respectful. Mm-hmm. It's good. It's good, good to kids. Hear. Yeah. So you've got a basketball Jones. I do have a bit of a basketball Jones. Um, Backabon Jones. Yeah, indeed. Um, I thought there was more to say about that. Turns out it's really not that interesting. Um, Thanks for the update. text message here from you that i'm pretending to look at but in fact it's too too far back in my thread oh no this is gonna be the one of the crazy things that gets me canceled <laughs> just one of the crazy things i say from time to time just w- just wait guys what he said is absolutely disgusting it Despic- was sh- despicable <laughs> <laughs> this is the, this is all just an elaborate takedown of me took two years finally you have the evidence oh here we go i did find it Hey, shout out to the iOS Apple Messages search function. <laughs> yep, thanks. They they needed that. You said, can't believe I'm saying this, but Cezanne may be greater than carrot symbol Van Gogh. Oh, man. See, that is going to get me canceled. Followed by All jokes f- aside. Four pic- some random pictures of some... Some guy who can't even paint... I don't even know. ...regular looking seaside. It's all smudgy. Um, yeah, that's... Um, you know, I wonder if I still feel that way two months later. I did go to the Art Institute of Chicago, and they had a Cezanne, you know, install a big exhibition that I had to pay an extra 15 bucks for that I almost didn't. You um, almost didn't? Th- this is just my brain. It's like, of course I'm going to go. But, like, I sit there and him and haw for five <laughs> minutes, like, I don't know, 15 bucks, you know, in addition to the 20 you're paying to get in in the first place. What, you want to see you know? the uh, pointillism... Lady with a big butt and pet monkey again. Yeah, yeah. I that's what I'm what I'm there for actually. Um, no, so I went in and so many saisons that I had never seen before that show such a range in his. Um, Bet you never seen too many of those landscapes, right? His landscapes are incredible. Yes, you know his because the apples get so much play. The apples, oh man! Have you seen yeah, the apples? See the apples. <laughs> apples are so hot. Apples. <laughs> Look at us, apples. Look at us. This way. <laughs> um, Who are you wearing? <laughs> um, no, the landscapes are incredible, and it's it's going to be hard to describe. I, I In fact, I probably won't even attempt to, but it's the same sort of thing that a lot of the Impressionists were doing where they, you know, it's one landscape painted over and over and over in different ways, Yeah. but almost puts somebody like Monet to shame who's who's 
which those are also at the Art Institute or the haystacks, you know, that he paints at different seasons or different times of day. Mm -hmm. And it's these rapturous differences in color. It's like purple in the morning and yellow in the afternoon. And it's like, whoa, man, the colors are so different when you look at it at different times of day. (laughs) It almost seems like people didn't know that. Yeah, people didn't know that that until until Monet painted them. Um, But it, it... the subtlety of of Cezanne's like treatments of of the landscapes and of like this mountain and it's not just the you know the the color or the light it's like it's like this kind of like rippling um yeah you know texture and the the forms are so alive that it puts it almost puts Monet and the other impressionists to shame you know in fact um, and, even, and even Van Gogh looks a little he looks a little um cartoonish next to him yeah i think that that is fairly true against impressionism i mean it's why he you know put the put the post on that whole whole deal and and created a new category um is because it it has the the feeling of form and structure which not you know the impressionists usually don't have the, the impressionists have that like just yeah photons on the eye like just kind of field of field of color field of blur mm-hmm. sort of saison like combines that where the light is luminous but it has this like structure and form to it in a way that so it, it has it has light and color and like very particular use of tone but then it has like structure uh structure and form and somewhat of like symbol mm-hmm. maybe gogan is more of like that symbol but there's still that feeling of of like kind of universal symbol in a way that makes him the true bridge to modern art hmm. like when you look at that you see so much of cubism like just look at it like yeah cubism futurism there are cubes coming out of that whereas you don't necessarily see that in van gogh van gogh i think he's so idiosyncratic he's so singular it's like it's just him yeah that he's it's in some ways he's like less important to which is kind of true like the modern artists and the cubists were were like looking more to Cezanne than Van Gogh, looking more to Van Gogh for his like spirit, you know, yeah. and his ethos. Right. But, which, but which is what we've said, said about him yeah. for the most part. Um, I, this, this is a revision here. Magic camp is officially banishing Van Gogh from the canon. He's out. He's out. back on the street where he deserves He's a loser. To be. He's a loser. <laughs> <laughs> Get out of here, Van Gogh. Nobody wants you here. <laughs> Go sleep with the pigs. <laughs> just fun to pretend to be one of those people, you know. You slip into that mindset. Yeah. Just like a complete uh like xenophobic asshole. <laughs> damn damn artist. Must be some sort of pervert. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it would be fun. It would be fun to think that way. No, I'm kidding. Um yeah, he should get out of here. Get out of our town. Get out of our get town. Our go, to, go to town. that loony bin in Arles. And That's where he deserves to be. Lock him up. No, we love Van Gogh. We do. Um, even if even if 
his status as an outsider, as a as a a ne'er do well painter who just couldn't catch a break, feels dis- feels distant, feels far sometimes. Hard to tap into, ha- hard to touch touch that nerve. That's true. Maybe get syphilis and you would have a little closer right. experience. Maybe we need to be humble a little bit and let it reach your brain. Mm. Is that what happened to him? I don't know if it was no, him, but that uh, is that that, that definitely helped take else. out his brother. It and generally everyone in that age was kind of going crazy with syphilis. Really? And yeah, <laughs> especially those French. Jeez. Yeah. Um, anyway, that was that was a nice little. Uh, that's cool. I'm super me. jealous. I mean, mm. I was thinking really hard of making if there was any excuse to be in Chicago, which I did have the excuse the year before. So that I could happen to see that, and uh, just didn't work out. Didn't work out. Well, maybe, maybe it'll come here. I've seen some other special exhibits at, because uh, w- for whatever reason, I'm on their mailing list. You're probably on their mailing list too now that you paid for a ticket. Um, so I get their emails still. But a lot of the other special exhibitions are not too right. exciting to me. Americans in Paris. <laughs> yeah. The it's it's always some iteration of that. Um, yeah, no, uh, maybe it'll come to Denver. Mm. We're due for a trip to the art museum. Or is it going to be, what is the thing now of the immersive the immersive franchise? I don't think, oh, no. Actually, oh, what man. what do we think about that? We probably should. I don't know. We, we should, should go visit to one before we say too much. See, we haven't done the Van Gogh one, and it's already gone now. But um, I'm sure we would enjoy ourselves. In some ways, it is kind of a, a nice rebuttal to nfts mm-hmm. in that yeah you don't need the original you know right but you do have to go and experience something yeah and like uh you know actually appreciate it not just uh hoard it right and sell it yeah um yeah all right moving on so uh there's this guy He's a bit of a rare soul in today's day of age. Um, maybe you've heard of him. His name's Ben. Actually, no, his name's Joe Para, but he does actually kind of look like Ben. Joe, thanks for joining us. <laughs> Our <laughs> oh, first guest. He's so nice. Are you partially uh, enamored by Joe Para because you are him? And I'm <laughs> <identify with> him? <laughs> I'm I kidding. Think the no, first, that's, that's, first that's episode you. You showed me. I was like, God, that I want to be an arch like that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the bean arch. That's why I picked that one. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, he's going to appreciate the bean arch. It's great. I've yeah. thought many times about doing, uh-huh. doesn't have to be a bean arch. could be a squash arch. <laughs> it could be. It could just be some sort of vining flower like a trumpet flower. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get on that. Let's see some trumpet flowers. Maybe I will, <clears throat> but yeah, um, we've been we've been watching Joe Parra talks to you. Great show, yeah. Kind of one of those um, resurfaced to HBO Max type of gems. You know what? Thank God for HBO Max. I know. Which, by the way, I was thinking, there's no reason why Detroiters should not be on HBO Max right now. Absolutely, they got screwed somehow. Yeah, like he with his revot his resurgence with I think you should leave. They would they would clean up with that. Yeah, that that they need it. Should I write Damn, a letter? Damn, it really should be them. there. I'll, I'll send him a DM later. 
Is it because like YouTube got the rights to it and they're trying to sell it through YouTube? Could be. Well, plus fucker or whatever. Some stupid bullshit like yeah. that. Um. Anyway, Joe Parrot talks to you. Uh, what are your thoughts on it, Ben? Well, I think we. It feels very familiar. Growing up in the Chicago area, uh, being yippers as we are. No, yippers. Fippers. Sorry, yippers are Upper Peninsula people. Yeah. We're fippers, which is a totally different Bleeping. thing. Illinois people. Fif- yeah. Which, which <laughs> that could be applied people. to us from by either Wisconsinites or Michiganders. Yeah. Both. And I don't think this is actually as pronounced as maybe we thought it was. But like Illinois people have a certain reputation among those lake dwellers, the, mm-hmm. the Wisconsin and Michigan people. We're the hot shots, you know. Yeah. We're the hot shots coming down from the city. Come in with our big our, city money. Our big city jet skis to, to go zip around and, uh, you know, play play a nickelback from the back of our our jet skis. On our boat more, CD. More them than us. We would probably be listening to, like, Outcast or something like that. Something really cool. Yeah. Tribe Called Quest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're into 90s hip-hop. Yeah. Go- golden Age. Um, <clears throat> but no, if, a it feels super familiar. Very Midwest type of person, type of show. Very Michigan type of person. I do have people in mind yeah. who remind me a bit of him. Mm-hmm. Um, and even Omaha adjacent type of people. It's just you know heart heartland people. Heartland's the right word for it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but okay, there's a c- couple aspects into that we could take on it but just to jump in i texted you if you don't know he's like he's he, he's like a he's an alt comedian he's an alt say. comedian who's playing a character by well here's the thing is that it's not really a character it's his own it's, self it is right. who he that is he's what from he's buffalo like. right or some upstate new york he, or something or pennsylvania maybe he is i i assumed he was from michigan but i guess maybe not i think he's from a, a you know parallel yeah Ohio or maybe yeah. not Ohio, but but anyways, God, God forbid, the character that he semi plays is basically an eighty-year-old man stuck in the body of a thirty-year-old man. Yeah, of uh, yeah, the Michigan variety, specifically Upper Peninsula. He's a middle school music teacher. Is the character mm-hmm. or a choir teacher? Excuse me, as opposed to music. His girlfriend is the band teacher. Right, which I guess that would be he would be the music teacher then in that case. Not a um, huge difference. No, there's a lot of kinship there, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> I mean, just even like to me that was something that was incredibly endearing about the show. It's just like the public school teacher. Right, there's know, the whole like, teacher aspect. Yeah, we could get and they into. they treat it really like it's like they had to have some teacher consultants writing the screenplays. I think. Yeah, <laughs> it's the the kids are really well played and. Mm-hmm they capture the the feeling of the teacher kind of uh well the the loserish feeling first of all but just kind of the the sense of fear and superiority that a group of kids have over a single that's one thing you don't don't hear enough about in the news nowadays yeah um you know, we can talk about banned books and CRT all we want, but until you've been up against 30, 30, <laughs> 14 year olds, you, as far as I, you don't have any skin in the game. 
Yeah, exactly. You know, like the, the primal fear that comes out in that moment that is real and will always be there. That it's it's just natural. It's like you're outnumbered. That factors into the dynamic. Yeah. What are you going to do about it? You know? And it's and it's always part of it. Anyway. And in other points in uh, the history and globe, the 16-year-olds, 17-year-olds have been the vi- most vicious killers <laughs> right? that we've ever seen. Yeah. No, I mean, some of the, the worst... Yeah, the worst atrocities of, of all time. Exactly. We'll come back to that. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, yeah. Well, we, we'll c- I do actually want to come back to the teacher thing. Um, but I texted you just saying, like, it feels like a type of person that's dying away. And you also kind of mentioned, well, but that's also what's good about it, is it's that they are still out there. But I guess what I've just feel- checked out. Maybe. Right. What I feel mostly is, like, it is in particular, I was thinking of the the car episode where he, he okay. introduces his car, which is like a Buick park Avenue oh or, or gosh, something yeah. like that. I need to rewatch that one. Mm-hmm. Just like a slightly too heavy sedan, um, classic, classic styling. Mm-hmm. And just, uh, it's also an aspect of being in the suburbs of Denver, but, um, just the contrast of like, no one's driving that car anymore your country person, quote unquote, your rural person, anyone who identifies as being outside of urban hmm. now wants the the biggest fascist mobile that they could possibly get a loan for. That's so true. I hadn't thought about that. And it's just that aspect of that particular combination of like a, a like what's it's not even rural. It's more like outside of urban, you know, semi rural. What's the word I'm looking for? Exurban. I kind mean, of like, like yeah. But it's it's. Fly, I wouldn't even say it's a suburb. It's culture. not that. It's like, like it's more of like the flyover kind of heartland type of person. Yeah. That they could have actually sort of a reconciled identity, which is a just being nice and not full of hate. Yeah. Not being completely sort of uh, at odds with their environment and sort of lashing out against urbans or like mm-hmm. you know what i mean or yeah. coastal people or 100 and, and just like well yeah naturally attuned to their environment in a way that makes them nice and humorous right have interests have hobbies and that kind of stuff versus i i do think the contrast is really good between Connor him <laughs> well or, okay him yeah. yes that's certainly realistic that's more of like an apolitical yeah apolitical he's dude apolit- right but like his girlfriend is uh-huh. a more contemporary version of like, here's a slightly offbeat person who's like, who is like, um, I don't know what I'm, the word I'm looking for. Just going to be more on a, the marginal side of culture or politics naturally, but add in the internet and becomes like a prepper and conspiracy theorist. And like, right. That's way more the common common thing now is like yeah to not to have some sort of neurosis or like reactionary anger yes agreed but she she's also like the weird kind of mix of like she's like a liberal reactionary in a way yeah that's that's true um but that's beside the point and because that is a very accurate uh, description of that character and but isn't that also part of like the distortion of the internet 
that we live within is that we think we think that those yeah. people are the only ones that's there. true you yeah. know like and i think that's what i was getting at with yeah what's endearing about the show is that it is like it's it could be completely naive it, it could be completely uh an- anachronistic like and that's the point of the show is that like this guy doesn't exist anymore but of course of course he does or they yeah. do you know that's so and true it's yeah. just that it's the the lens of the internet distorts our sense of, of anything. And in fact, like, I mean, I don't think we would have had no way to know really what people like were in those towns, except through experiencing them ourselves. Mm-hmm. you know, like 30 years ago mm-hmm. or, or even 20 years ago, you know, it was like, we know Joe Para because we, and we identify him with, because we knew him in real life Yeah, and we met him and he was, you know, somebody in, you know, the, the, across the, the highway or whatever, you know, who went to our high school or something like that. Yep. Or our high school, someone's older brother or something like that. Or a cousin. Or a cousin. Yeah. Not any of our cousins in particular, but yeah. Um, yeah. So that's, that's, I think it, it has like a, just like a weirdly like smart angle. Yeah. That, that is like so such i hate to make it so like academic or like say like this is such a this show that is a insightful critique of culture and this and that but it is just like such a pure lens and such a or such a like he has such command over his purpose and voice like his distinct voice as a as a comedian and as a writer and i think like he just you know thank God, like somebody gave him a chance, you know, Mm -hmm. like, you know, there are so many people who probably never get like people who have that singular of a like idea and like a, an angle that just can't ever make it. And and we don't, when we don't, we're deprived of, of a million Joe Parra shows, maybe not a million, but it's just great that it even exists in the first place. Yeah. And uh, actually I think you're right. Like the broader, purpose of it is like that it's just a deeply sympathetic mm-hmm. um human know, character portrait that brings on the point that like people anyone like who exists in a in a different world like they're in an impenetrable world that normally we don't penetrate actually do have entire lives <laughs> inside yeah, of that an entire right interests and and yeah yeah and and maybe not everything is meant to be understood from the outside or like right you know penetrated um and and dissected like it's like it's like he's resistant in a way to allowing his character and that culture to be dissected or analyzed Mm -hmm. you know what i mean but it is simultaneously insightful and, and like giving us insight about something yeah you know um like the way that um actually no that's that's something that i would say applies to the other thing we're going to talk about um which which is also similar in a way Hmm. yeah i think it's 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 been therapeutic i mean abby and i both really enjoy it Mm -hmm. um i mean i had gone through some of the process over the past few weeks of like i almost took another job and didn't and ultimately you know it's like not not 
not to give myself credit for it, but it's like, I know it has to do with trying to needing to be content with my situation, which kind of stems from work. First of all, of like not being content with whatever my career is. And then it's like, well, then when am I going to cram in something else? And then that's competing with other things that I maybe am more reconciled to, you know, just being a parent and whatever, every, everything else. Um, so it's, yeah, it's this portrait of like kind of being reconciled to your environment and to your role and place and sort of then allowing yourself to grow deep there and have an interest in, you know, the geology of, of, did like you say geology? Geology. Nice. Of uh, the UP or whatever it is, you mm. know, because that's, that's what his character is, is just kind of, and the, uh, oh, did you know, what's, what's his best friend's name? The black guy? Yeah. I don't know his name. He, anyways, I was watching Joe Parra interview on Seth Meyers. I watched that too. Yeah. He was a cameraman. Oh, no way. And Joe hired him off of. Seth, I, I don't think I saw that, Seth, that interview. Seth. Like he's no way. he's a career cameraman. I mean, I don't know his whole backstory, but right. he was working on the Late Show or whatever right. that is. Joe was, or, or no, no. What's his face? Not Joe. Right, because I know I know that um, Connor O'Malley wrote for Seth Meyers for a while, so so I think that has a part of that connection. I'm just but. gonna get his name so that I can talk correctly about this. Uh, yeah, he's great. Well, this is why his face isn't even on IMDb. Gene Kelly is that is the actor's name who plays his best friend. Mm-hmm. Was a cameraman for Seth Meyers and like Joe Pair met him there on his first interview uh-huh. and talked and I think he was near retirement, but Joe convinced him to come no way to be an actor on his That's show. So awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, he also being like a parallel of Oh, Joe yeah. at the correct age, basically. Of of who at the correct of age? Of Joe Para. Oh yeah, yeah. Like, um, right. But yeah. Any, anyways, all that to say, just kind of being reconciled to your environment and you know time and place, kind of, and being mm-hmm. able to enjoy that and, yeah. Yep. That's the personal connection. It's good. Check it out. Um, which I think brings us to our, our final. Our final segment here, which is to talk about, we've got, we got some TV talk going. We've got books and TV, a show that is on every, on the tip of everybody's tongue, mm-hmm. Ex- except for probably 99% of people who <laughs> couldn't give a, sh- a shit and a- actively are repulsed and repelled by <laughs> the type of thing that we're going to describe, which is Nathan Fielder's rehearsal. Man, where do we start? It's polarizing like all avant-garde art. See, that is another, that's exactly what I was going to say. And, and I wouldn't even go as far as call, calling it polarizing because it's like, it's either you care or you just don't. You and just, most just, yeah. it's like, like I said, 98% of people, it's just going to be something they do not like. Mm-hmm. Not, and they're not going to analyze it further. They're just, gonna, I don't, I don't like this. This isn't for me, you know, cause it's really not. It's, it's, and, but you're right. It is a, um, hearkening back to one of our earlier episodes about the avant-garde, the avant-garde was the term derives from, it's a military term, right? These are the people who are out in front 
exploring the territory that is too dangerous for other people to, <laughs> to explore. For the sheep. Right? And many avant-garde artists fail miserably and never, you know, are, are ostracized or are completely cast off by the intelligentsia or, or by the mainstream. Somehow, Nathan Fielder has managed to emerge as the unlikely hero of, of, of like television, you know, <laughs> yeah. in a way. Um, and is doing something that's completely, uh, you know, outside of anything that anybody else has ever done. Besides maybe an Andy Kaufman or a, um, I love, geez, oh, what other funny people can I think of? Adam Sandler, <laughs> maybe a Dane Cook. <laughs> Well, you can't think of more names because those are the avant-garde people who failed and were, and were ground by history, mm -hmm. forgotten by history. Right. Anyway, that was that was an, an aside, but I don't, I, even, I don't really even know where to begin talking about this, other than okay, so maybe the one of the f stray thoughts. Start with a stray thought, then maybe we can get to the, the heart of it. It does remind me a little bit of of the Joe Parra show because, it's an unlikely, like incredibly insightful social critique, you know, like almost accidentally because of the way that the same way that Nathan for you is like a, it's a completely, um, sideways angle into mm -hmm. the world, yeah. you know, into American culture that there's a incredibly convoluted, even neurotic premise that that the show is founded upon and through that just artifice he manages to expose and like create these incredibly organic and natural moments that as far as like like i said insight into subcultures of america or to particular like cultural um you know tendencies and habits in America. There's nothing out like you could write a, you know, like watch a two and a half hour HBO documentary about like uh, evangelicalism in America or, you know, a, like or a six the, hour the PBS documentary. Right. Oh, P <laughs> yeah, I mean, I prefer probably the latter to, to the, to an True. HBO documentary, but um, about the far right in the Pacific Northwest or something <laughs> like that, yeah. you know, and, yeah. and you're not going to get the, like the level of specificity and detail yeah. That he gets on all on all these people who just kind of wander into his show. Yeah. You know, like with the evangelicalism, anti-Semitism, <laughs> on the other hand, Zionism. Yeah. You know, it's like how how is all of this showing up <laughs> yeah. like in such incredibly like tense, explosive ways? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like people like actively encountering these conflicts. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, man, I, I there's so many times I had to I mean, you have to have a pretty high tolerance for um, what you, you could call cringe, cringe comedy, you know, like of, of people who of it being uncomfortable, which I, you should. Hey, we were raised on the office. We were raised so on the office. The we cringy know show there is. Um, but especially if you have any roots in evangel like in any baggage, evangelical baggage whatsoever, <laughs> like that the main woman, whatever her name is, I can't remember her name, and all of her 
anybody that she runs into. Um, oh my gosh. Yep. It's a lot. Yep. Absolutely agree. <laughs> it's like, yeah, there's just slices of human psychology or like contemporary psychology that you can't see any other way. And it's, uh, or, or like you just can't see depicted any in any other way. Yeah. And in some ways, like he's discovering them and like documenting them. And in other ways, like he does sort of like create a picture and there's no other way to show it or explain it than the very weird mechanisms he uses. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Another thing that I think uh, needed to needs a fuller examination, even more th- thoroughly than he went into. I could see, I could watch a whole season just on trivia subculture (laughs) yeah trivia people yeah um the the one i could have done like well i don't know how much more on but was such a train wreck um like the the evangelical love interest oh my gosh california california christian like oh yeah who numerologist yeah it just kind of comes off comes off as like I remember saying, like, as we were watching it, I was like, this guy's normal. He's fine. Like, in the beginning. Yeah. Because he comes off as, like, very and Right, like a somewhat cool, yeah, somewhat cool Christian, kind of spiritual. And as he goes, like, A, his beliefs become weirder and weirder. Yeah. And then you realize, like, he's, he's this, like, walking ball of, like, insane contradictions and a complete... <laughs> like a, a complete liability yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. an utter liability and the christianity on top of it amplifies it by a hundred mm-hmm. like gives him superpowers right. like to be a menace to, yeah toxic superpowers yeah like to be that guy's roommate can you imagine <laughs> no, the guy. that would have been me i'd be i would have been you yeah. know throwing hands with that and guy within a week yeah, my roommate he doesn't believe in jesus so nathan's like you know is that he, a is that a problem <laughs> it, it is for me <laughs> and then after it all goes down with him he's in the car he's like he's like what's just happened there he's like well his demon doesn't like me or yeah. something like that his demon his demon he's got a problem with jesus i'm just like what this after he reveals that he doesn't have a license plate <laughs> yeah that's right or he's driving drives, high without a license plate it's like completely unaware that he even to, would to, need one yeah, yeah from a bong before getting in the car oh man um that guy was one of my favorites i uh, who else was there of notable memory? the gold digger <laughs> that guy was funny that's brutal that one was kind of sad because he wandered off yeah um the actors um, actors is very interesting yeah yeah the kids the kids were f- funny and and that was maybe where it started to feel i mean it it's it's fine like it was a tv show like these kids were on a tv show like yeah. I, I never felt like this is such a yeah like people were like this is so messed up what he's doing and like putting people through this sort of thing and it's like they all volunteered ter- they all want to be on TV, you know, yeah. like that's, that's how he's, he's built a career off of people's desire to be on TV, <laughs> Yeah, you know, that's and just, just like definitely letting true. them play out their, 
their fantasies of, of it, being filmed. Yeah, it's kind of, it's amazing. I mean, it's similar to um, Channel 5 or whatever that used to be called. Yeah. All Gas, No Breaks, where, like, just the, the animal reaction when someone sees a camera and yeah. a microphone uh-huh. and their desire to get in front of it and say the stupidest shit ever, <laughs> like... <laughs> Yep, it's yeah. I don't know what it what it is, but there's definitely an impulse there. Yeah, we love Nathan here. Um, Canadian, of course he is. Got just enough of an outside good for us outside view to understand us mm-hmm. in the way that we never could understand. Yeah, he ourselves. is kind of like the the uber Canadian in a way, just like how he reacts to people, like. Because that's part of what's so amazing about him is he's never, he's never like, um, like overwhelmed or or like shocked by anything. Mm-hmm. But he's also a little bit like incredulous or like right. just a little bit like what like doesn't fully yeah. He he has a sort of sober enough perspective that you can see both how absurd and how. Um, you can see how absurd everything is, and it, it, on on him as projected onto him, basically. Right. Yeah. I definitely agree. I was just kind of looking up a list of other famous Jewish Canadians. <laughs> um, Seth Rogen. Yeah. The Levies are they Canadian? Mm-hmm. Um, all I can find is pictures, so I can't actually see a list. But that the episode. Um, Howie Mandel, is he Canadian? He is. Anyways, all these people you didn't know Canadian. Um, <laughs> he brings his parents out because yeah, because what's her name is is raising the the child to be evangelical and not Christian. Mm-hmm. Or sorry, evangelical and not Jewish. Um, that stuff was so much. Oh my god! And you can see the you can see it coming at the end of the episode. Uh-huh. How he kind of triumphantly, <laughs> triumphantly like converts the child's parenting to Judaism, mm-hmm. and then the lady comes over and yeah, immediately veers into Zionism, very yeah. vicious Zionism. Right. <laughs> well, that that brings I, I forgot about this, but I think that's part of what the show is about in in more explicit terms, in a way, is or at least like what he discovers is unique to our moment which is this feeling of being completely like trapped within an ideology and almost as if your life is just a rehearsal to express that ideology when given the opportunity yes. almost like we're living in reverse from the internet into the into life into the world like you get you get the information and you get belief and the content of your mind is is given to you mm-hmm. or is like sourced in and then we filter it and then try to figure out how to proceed robotically right like in in physical space you know like i think it captures that feeling and maybe he set out on purpose to do that i think like was a but i don't know like how 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 much could he see coming of this you know but i because that i think that feeling of like the rehearsed almost predetermined but completely futureless nature of 
modern life of like 20 America in 2022. That's what he's capturing, like in these little scripted, right. You know, reiterated encounters. Right. Yeah. It's watching somebody try and operate from a script and a, like a algorithmic flow chart that kind of represents a, or stands for like a whole worldview or ideology and failed mm-hmm. <laughs> to kind of like meet the real world with it or the ways that it like clashes. Well, maybe that, that brings us back to an old magic camp adage or one of our tenants on the magic camp manifesto. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what even is even on that anymore, but what was it like a ideology ultimately just is a prison. It's a trap. It uh, cripples and falls apart. And like, that's what you see again and again and again with these people who have their script, like who, like, especially the evangelical lady, um, is like, she's so militantly committed to the script. Yeah. And, all it does is fail her, mm-hmm. you know, like it, it just leads her into continuous disappointment where the world will not conform to the rigid categories, which she's trying to fit it into. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. I think like the first episode, the trivia one is like, more an illustration of like we all sort of work this way we all do like work off of some amount of script and like practicing Mm -hmm. and you sort of you imagine social situations and then you like try and try and play it out that way and in there in the case of like the people in that episode it's more pronounced but that's what i found in that episode is like this is this is just very human yeah you know to want to to want to have some sort of framework to use for, you know, the world, which is chaotic and unpredictable. Mm -hmm. But then, and it, in that one, it's more endearing a a little more of like, you know, it's somewhat extreme, but it's, it's relatable, understandable. Yeah. But it is then the, like the cycling and the amplification. I don't know what it, what, what the turning point is once it gets into like the evangelical one that then it becomes like toxic and like this spiral that can't be escaped. Mm-hmm. Um, and you yeah. can see like wearing down <laughs> on her for sure. Um, it certainly doesn't help to be trapped in a house and, you know, filmed by cameras every day, but, um, no, you're right. I, I don't want to be too much of a, but a anarchist like about it, like project that, or you know, suggest that you can live without a framework because I, I think it's equally untenable mm-hmm. to sit to to just deconstruct it all right you know so I, maybe you need trivia maybe you got to go to trivia put all your that is put a, all your right. eggs in the trivia basket right. or at least most of them something that's more clearly a game and mm-hmm. a hobby versus like the weight of the, the world u- universe yeah. on it and actually when you mentioned that like being inside a house that is part of it too where you know they know the cameras are there going back to saying people want to be on tv and what they're saying is 
part of them knowing they're on TV. Mm-hmm. And in that case, it's this is a chance to testify. Yep. And I'm going to be kind of the hardest version of myself who won't shut up about. Right. Because this is my chance. This is my right opportunity to do this. Yeah. And yeah. there's a unique way that evangelicalism kind of destroys social connections in that everything is turned into a chance to testify to testify right mm-hmm. and to run run the script run it well you know um every relationship ends up falling into that category mm-hmm. until it can't can't be a real relationship right yeah that's a bummer um super funny though but then again i'll say taking the slightly different joe para approach is you did i mean i think nathan puts it together in a narrative that is true and gets at something real in contemporary life more at a social scale Mm -hmm. but again like the joe para thing is more like there's still a bubble around these subcultures and individual people that it's just impossible to understand from the outside. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe, you know, it is better to lean in the direction of like, there is a person in there, real people in that culture and a real depth. Usually um, it's just, it's just the social situation we're in now. It's increasingly harder and harder to see, yeah. see what could possibly going on on the other side. Yep. And Which it looks scarier and scarier. Right. No, and that that is the in a way it's it's a kind of antidote. The Joe Para angle is a a mirror image in a way of like here's what it is it inside and it's actually not so bad. Right. You know, like like yeah, my neighbor's a psycho like who right. He's he's a apolitical <laughs> nut job like who who will probably shoot me if like he's a little drunk and I step on his lawn, but He's just not so bad at the end of the day, you know, like this country is takes care so of divided right now, but <laughs> I have <the> perfect plan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's, a, it's a very compassionate take, um, which is, which is good. And I think Nathan even does manage to do that himself. Yeah. Like it's like the, the psychosis of a, sh- of the show. Like when you look back at it, it's just like chaotic and, and psychotic. But really, he he like provides a pretty strong like moral foundation to it. I think throughout yeah. the whole thing, um, just kind of the way they do like kind of you know show the way he conducts himself in running the show and like yeah. talking to people and it's like that was always that always seemed like his intention in a way. Like when people would say that Nathan for you was like mean or cynical, like. I never felt that way. It always seemed like he has a, a lot of compassion for those people, even though they're kind of at the butt of the joke. The joke is the system that we're living in is, is completely fucked and we can yeah. screw it that in these different ways and, uh, you know, make something fun out of it. You know what? I need to finish. We were talking about books. I need to finish um, East of Eden tonight for my book club. Oh. It's just one of those books that, if you haven't read it, I think you probably should. Oh, I've read it. Have you? Okay, what's then? What's the main character's name? Adam. How did you know that? 
because I know I know about some of the main symbology. Okay. But that's all. Yeah, you could probably guess that based <laughs> on the title. <laughs> Wait a minute. How did you know that? And the main girl's Eve, all right. We all know. No, nope, no. Nope. Wrong. Wrong. No, I haven't read it. It's it's actually very good. It holds up. There's some problematic elements. But at even even Run, row. those those elements I think you could could be unpacked and contextualized in ways that, you know, give give a lot of uh still still I don't know, a lot of weight to, to what he's doing. And he's got the penguin classic addiction and that's always gonna look good on your bookshelf. It does. It looks better than the um the new Steinbeck editions that, that they make. Um, I think like the white ones, you know, mm-hmm. they all have that like white palette. This is a winning, a winning design. We got to, it'd be cool to find the designer who came up with the black, black and orange yeah, penguin right. classics totally. design. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Th- it's iconic for sure. And uh, actually you got me a really cool hardcover grapes of wrath edition back in the day. That's one I might reread actually. Mm-hmm. I think East of Eden is the better the superior book even though grapes of wrath is more widely read and considered his opus east of eden is truly his opus <laughs> <laughs> there you go folks if you're you wondering here which first. was the opus it's the opus um of it's his monum opus of his oeuvre it's a tour de force it is, it is i don't i don't use that term lightly it's a tour de force, which I don't even know what that. What, what does that mean? It's a tour of it's force. A lot, it's a lot of force. It's a tour of force. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. No, a, it is a, a tour ton, of force. A ton of force. Is that what it means? I, I picture more like the Tour de France. Tour of tour of. I think it means like tu- tour of force. Yeah. It's a tour of force. What is force? Way of force. It's a tour. Okay. I don't know. I, and I'm going to venture to believe that uh, understood. many people who use that word don't know what don't it means. Know what it means. Probably not. Don't know the etymology. No, I'll go to, I'll go to book club tomorrow and uh, do that once a month. And it's, it's a good time. You know, I, th- I recommend everybody does it if they can. I've gotten lucky with the group. I recommend doing it not with your friends. <gasps> I know a lot of people who do. Oh, it's a Zoom book club with my friends from college. Blah 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 blah. Look, forget about your friends from college. They're, Move they're on. idiots. Just kidding. Um, that's 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 too far. That's not true. But go with a bunch of strangers, and I think it gives impress them. Impress? No, it's it's actually not. It's it's not that. I think it gives an opportunity to, in a way that is a little bit Joe Para, to give people the benefit of the doubt in the way that you wouldn't probably with people you already know, you know, not that you're going to be mean to your friends or, but you're not going to really like sit and hear them out as much as you are a little bit more obligated to do when it's a table full of strangers. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And people really do have completely disparate opinions and preferences about everything, literally everything. Like, I don't think there's a person in the world who has the exact same taste and angle on books that I do. And I don't say that because I have such a profound perspective on literature. If anything, it's incredibly neurotic and, and nonsensical. 
But that's the point. Everybody's perspective is in some way neurotic. Maybe not neurotic, but... Idiosyncratic. Idiosyncratic. That's the word for it. And that's what you're reminded of. Absolutely. That's uh, that's a good tip. Maybe I should do a book club. Sci-fi book club. Yeah, you should. Neuromancer would be a great book club book. It'd be tight. Because it's got name recognition. And hey, if the club doesn't exist, start it yourself. I've started a book club before. Oh. Managed ooh. to get a guy to come out there. <laughs> so you got to keep plug. You got to plug away multiple times. Yeah. I didn't have it. I didn't have it in me. I mean, you guys are reading like Capital, right? Yeah. That's too idiosyncratic. Yeah. We started with Capital to get that name recognition. Hey, we're starting with a big one. I'm, I'm calling all people in the South Denver area. What would you put on a socialist book club reading, reading list now? What would you read? Berger? Maybe like, uh, well, I mean, we did more than that. We yeah. did more of like accessible. I don't know. You know, there's a bunch of just go to the whatever call. What's that publisher? Verso. Verso. Pick, pick a Verso title. Yeah, pick a Verso book and go. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's kind of where we were. And at that point, you're way too niche. Yeah. You're not going to find a you're critical not gonna mass. Get, you're just not going to get enough people. And if you'll get one person, then it's kind of an awkward date. Which is what happened to me most of the times. <laughs> yeah, I I'd prefer to not do anything. And it's not that. it's not fun enough to read. You need something more enjoyable. Yeah. Um. Uh. uh oh, one thing we we didn't even get into, and I won't I won't open a whole nother thing, but the new John Early and Kate Berlant special oh, dropped. Speaking of book clubs, <sighs> and looking trying to impress at book clubs great mm-hmm. great scene in there yeah about that check it out on peacock peacock it has the soul of a NBC's hbo peacock. max show but it's on peacock right another another gem slipping through the algorithm true it's too good for this world those those that's that's the pantheon right there is it not john early nathan fielder joe para i would maybe put tim robinson up there too and Tim Heidecker. Yeah. And Sam I, Robinson. <laughs> I would say... Kate Berlant, obviously. I would say I don't have a personal enough connection yet with Nathan, Nathan Fielder. Sure, Nathan's too big. Joe Para is quickly rising, but Tim, Tim and Sam have to be up there. In yeah. terms of people who I don't know who I love the most. Yeah, for sure. No, that's that's a really tight race. So we call these parasocial relationships and they're only only having more every day. <laughs> um, <laughs> but John Early is at the top and Tim Heidecker is pretty high up there. And we came close. And Tim, that's we true. Came really close to Tim. I got a signed record right here. Standing, that's standing definitely next true. To now we have a personal connection. Yeah. We were at that show, which is, which is a tour really for the books. I've been watching it from the, the, we didn't the even talk about Instagram. that. We, we did. We, we got some it. hot piss dripping from our lips. Yep. Um, that was fun. That was awesome. That was awesome. <laughs> um, Dude, you're awesome. And John Early's partner is a very talented artist who just so happens to follow me on Instagram now <laughs> <laughs> because I followed him and he followed me back, which was very nice. And he's not like a famous person. Um, so and he was probably like, he's probably like, long friendship. who is this guy? I have a private account. So he's like, wanted to see what, what the deal was and why I followed him. Well, you can tell when, when somebody has a private account, does it say how many posts they've made? Yeah, probably. Right. So, I mean, I have posted in the past. Yeah. Not a shell account. 
I know, I know, I know. But it wasn't one way or another. He wasn't like, oh man, this guy's posted a thousand. He must be, he must be pr- prolific. <laughs> so he gave you the follow because he was he was interested. Oh yeah, you know, well, sure. or or maybe he follows everybody who follows him. You can tell that by the ratio, though. Usually. Oh right. Yeah. If anyways, it's even. This, this is an exciting th- thing you know for this, me. You know how this works: followers versus following. You want a ben. good, you want a good ratio, yes. Mm-hmm. And I've got one, baby. <laughs> yeah, mine's not so good. Um, all right. That's all. That about sums up. Long, long catch. We had a lot to catch up on. And that's our bookshelf. That's what's on my bookshelf this week. You've been listening to CPR, CPR, <laughs> Colorado Public Radio. This has been What's on Your Bookshelf <laughs> with Paul and Ben. Thanks for coming, everybody. Catch you next time at the library after school. See you later. Where all the cool kids go after school. They go to the library. See you at the library, man. <laughs> hey, bro, you going to be at the library later? No, I would never miss it. No, I would never miss it.